0: wants to be first of all will be last of all and servant of all. Gentlemen, you are in the right place. This is Last In Line Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Shibley, and I just read you from Mark 935. That scripture is all about servant leadership, and that's what we're about here. The podcast that showcases and highlights great leaders of faith, people who have walked the journey of leadership who have served, who have sacrificed, who have developed discipline, courage, and resilience. You've come to the right place. This is Last In Line Leadership. Hey, I'd like to welcome a childhood friend of mine. Will Barry is his name. We went to high school together, grew up in the same hometown. Uh, of Sepulpa Oklahoma and this is a special episode for you guys because Will after graduating from the University of Oklahoma um, he started in the construction industry in 1995 he's been now currently with his current company for 23 years called DC Bass and Sons Construction Company their headquarters are in downtown of our hometown in Sepulpa America why this story is significant to me is because Will had a vision for creating value for tourists. There is a historic Route 66 highway that goes right through the downtown of Sepulpa. And Will, being in the construction industry, restores old buildings, uh, rejuvenates real estate, and really has tried to give the, the downtown area a facelift and make it attractive to outsiders which i totally love because it was getting uh, a little outdated a little worn down and some really old buildings but he has he had a vision for creating an attraction and the holidays has always been a special time there in a small town as you know everybody knows everybody and will had a vision for creating what's called the Route 66 Christmas shoot, and we go into detail as to what that is, but it is a major attraction now nationally. He was on the Today Show uh, last year and was interviewed live at like four in the morning when it was four degrees, and so Will has a cool story. Um, Will lost his mom um, to early onset of Alzheimer's and will has gone down a journey of faith since that time and he's grown closer to god and he's brought others along with him guys we grew up with are now in a bible study with will and so will talks about leadership he talks about having a vision chasing a dream creating something getting a good team around you and making something that is A dream in your mind, become reality and add value and serve other people. So I don't want to get too long-winded here, but it's an honor for me to have a high school friend, a childhood friend, an alumni of Sepulpa High School, and a graduate of the University of Oklahoma, Mr. Will Berry. Will Berry, glad to have you and thank you for being here on Last In Line Podcast. Thank you for having me, John. It's been too long. It's been a while. And for the audience, so usually one of the cardinal rules in podcasting is you don't try to have like a bunch of just your neighborhood buddies or, you know, childhood guys you grew up with just for the sake of. And so I'm going to tell y'all, if you're listening, this, this, this is a childhood friend of mine and, and we've known each other forever, lost touch a little bit after high school. It's been, we were talking off camera. It's been going on three decades since we've been face to face, you know, thanks to Facebook, we've had a little bit of interaction, but, um, I am glad to have him because, he kind of caught my eye a couple years ago or last year, I guess when they were doing something pretty remarkable in our home, our old hometown, my old hometown, his current hometown. Now he went back to live where we all grew up and he has, uh, been involved in construction and redoing, revitalizing, kind of bringing back to life. Some of the historical aspects of our hometown, which man, that's, it's so overdue and I'm so glad he's doing that. But, well, man, it's 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 awesome to have you uh be a part of this podcast. I mean, we've we've been down some of the same roads, we've stepped on some of the same dirt and uh played in some of the same stadiums. So I think my dad even coached you in football, you know, a couple years in high school. So he did. Man,
1: Absolutely.
0: Catch me up a little bit on your family though. I see your your girls, you've got three daughters, right? And and two of them are married or getting married or Empty nest nesting, almost, man.
1: We're almost to the empty nest part. Uh, you know, it's been it's been great. You know, my wife Stacy, uh, her and I've been married for 28 years. We we met in high school and ended up dating seriously there early on in college uh, and never parted. Um, we do have three beautiful daughters. My oldest uh, recently got married about a year ago um, to a guy from Biggsby, uh, Cade. And uh, they they actually moved back or actually moved to Sepulpa. So I'm really encouraged by that. I, I love having them home. My middle daughter just recently graduated from uh, University of Oklahoma and recently, as of about two weeks ago, got engaged. Uh, so she'll be getting married, you know, in the next, I don't know, 10, 11 months from now. So that's kind of an exciting time. And then my youngest, uh, we're still chasing her around. That's why we're not totally empty nesters, but she's a sophomore at OU uh, on the OU Palm team. So that's a lot of fun because we get to drive up and down the highway going and watch her at the football games and the basketball games. So it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun,
0: man. It's cool. And like I said, I'm not always on Facebook, but I love every now and again, when I go, I get to catch up and yeah, I've started seeing you, the little girls are becoming young women who are starting going to start families in the next three to five years. Um, uh, I didn't realize you met your wife in high school. I didn't realize that. Um, and, and I know y'all are, you know, big OU family and, and the people that listen to this podcast for the most part are SEC country, which is fine. Right. Here we come and uh, <laughs> yeah. they get to hear, they get to hear about OU football from me every now and again, but uh, yeah. no, we're, we're excited about that. And, and yeah, I see your pictures at, at the games a lot. So that's, that's pretty cool, man. Um, you guys, so you, you left OU about the time I graduated. I mean, I was, I was on a little bit more of an extended plan than I can imagine you were. Cause I think we sure. graduated a year apart. I was a year in front of you. Um, so after high school or after college, did you go right into construction? Cause I mean, you've been with the company you're with now for 23 years. Um, uh, the construction company that you're with, but did you go right into that line of work or how did you get there?
1: Yeah, no. So right after college, I, I literally, you know, I was on the extended program to John. So I probably, we probably stayed in line as far as that year apart. But I did, I graduated in the, in uh, December of 95. I got married at the end of December of 95. And I went to work January 7th of 96 uh, to a company, Manhattan Construction, a big company in Oklahoma. Uh, lasted with those guys for, you know, two or three years. And I just had a little bit more ambition for myself. Uh, I wanted to go out there and, and um, you know, see what I could do in a smaller scene, if you will, construction wise. And so I left Manhattan and went to work for a smaller company called Sooner Builders. Uh, they were out of Catoosa. And I lasted there for about two years. Uh, tried the whole buyout program with those guys. Um, we couldn't make things work. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't really actually remember. And then in February of 2000 is when I approached uh, my uncle, uh, my dad's oldest brother had a construction company out in Enid, Oklahoma. And I asked him if if he'd be interested in starting a branch in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And so in February of 2000, that's when we started DC Bass Tulsa. And we've kind of been going strong ever since. We we didn't know what kind of line of work we were going to be doing. We just started bid because back in those days, you just bid projects. You 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 subscribe to some publications and mostly what came out on those publications were all bond work, you know, anything with tax dollars. So uh-huh. it was usually schools or, you know, city projects. And so we kind of got dialed in to the rural America. Uh, when I say rural America, I kind of classify our company as a 3A size company just because we do a lot of 3A type schools. You know, we do a lot of work for Bristow Public Schools, Manford, Cleveland, all these other smaller towns that surround Tulsa that you all may not, may or may not, you probably are, John, but a lot of the viewers may not be, um, uh, know those towns, but that's kind of the towns we kind of gravitated towards and we've been doing their school work. So, we're just a big bond construction guy and that means schools and, and cities or anything with tax dollars. And so that's kind of been our motto is, is a uh, rule America. And we sure love it because kind of like this podcast, you just get to sit down and talk to these guys and be real with these guys. And, you know, I mean, yeah, get as deep as you want, if you want to. Uh, yeah. And some of those, some of those board meetings and ironically speaking, Uh, Not to get off on a tangent, but I'll never forget a board meeting I went to in DPU, Oklahoma. You've heard of DPU. It's right outside of Bristow. Oh, yeah. I was at that board meeting till about 10 o'clock one night. And it gravitated from construction to just life. And it was when I left there, I knew I was in the right spot because I had one of the best times just talking to people, Um, you know. And we, so we jailed good. it, it all worked. So that's
0: good. I, I love that. I mean, I would love to be able to just downsize humanity to a degree where things just get sit around with a cup of coffee and and be real and authentic and and not worry about social media status or bank accounts and just chop it up like real folk who are trying to serve each other. And and that's really I mean, honestly, I think that's how this now that we talk about it, this podcast even was born is. During COVID, I just wanted to have some people to have some encouraging conversations with when things were looking so bleak and dark and hopeless and and just kind of find leaders that were doing it right that had a, a good mindset and and you Absolutely. fall right into that, man. And and I always remember that about you. Like I growing up, like I don't think you ever had an enemy and and you always had a smile on your face, I think, from what I remember. And so uh <laughs> well, kind of just you. like that right there, right? You didn't you hadn't aged yeah. a bit either, man. Uh yeah. Way to go on that. I mean, I wish Uh I could say the same. But, no, I know exactly where DPU uh, is. My cousin Steve's mom's whole family's from there. So I've done some bass fishing in DPU, which they've got some stuff to do over there with bass fishing. So, um, well, before we jump into, you know, why I wanted the audience to hear kind of this vision that you had with some other folks, obviously, about a couple years ago um, in our hometown, around the holidays. We're going to get to that and and that fits the theme of where we're at in the year right now. But before we do, you're not going to get off the hook easy. I do what's called a life sentence uh for people. Sure. All right, I got four sentences here that I came up with. You have no idea what they're going to be, but it's you talking and you're going to finish the sentence for me. All right? So just however you feel like what applies to you, what you've learned, all the things your your perspective. So here you go. We'll we'll make it a we'll we'll start with a softball. How about that? Um, my favorite part about the Christmas season is
1: it's, it's about seeing all of the, the happy faces on, on other people when you can give things that they may not be able to get. Uh, that's one of my most favorite things to be able to do uh, is to be that giver, um, to the less fortunate or, you know, to, to give whatever I can. Um, that is something that, um, as well, as we'll get into, I guess, here in a, in a few minutes, uh, that's another reason why, uh, the Christmas shoot was born. That's cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and I mean, the, the people that listen to this, you're, you're singing from the same hymnal because, I feel like a lot of the guys that I talk to that hear our episodes and a lot of the theme of the guests I bring on are servant leaders and we we all like to be and we are called to be the tip of the spear right we're called to be out front and protect and provide and do those things but servant leadership is a is a different there's a different meekness element to it that isn't weak it's actually really strong to be that kind of help others along and then we'll get to some of that too, like you said, but yeah, you're fitting right into the class, uh, Will. So, all right. How about this one? I came back to my hometown after college because.
1: I came back uh, to my hometown after college because. I knew that that's where my love was like my life has led me um and this the sense of joy and the sense of peace and the sense of home is right here um and that's kind of what spurred me to stay it's what spurred me to uh make this place as as good as i can uh for the time that i have and uh but that is what has gotten me to come back I, i think it's kind of a two-part question is because I like small town I you know Spalp is a small town but I I like being able to be real and authentic and and talk to people and help people out I mean and, and that's what our community is here and that's that's what uh that's another reason why it's brought me back
0: yeah and and you know I think I can't speak for everybody but I think sometimes the misconception is that when you leave college, you just go out and you find the big fast paced city and the big nine to five, right. Uh, White collar job from the most part of the people that I was around, you know, we were like, okay, you know, it's time to go make a living and make a life, but coming back to the smaller area back where your roots were, like, I think as I get older, man, that sounds a lot better than the route I think I chose, even though I wouldn't change it because it led me to meet some great people. But yeah, I see your point. And, and, you know, coming back to the small town, there is an element that you don't get uh, in the hustle and bustle. Right. Well,
1: and I, You know, I think, I think you miss it. I mean, when you go to college and you meet, you meet tons of great people. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've had, yeah. i got a, a ton of people, you know, I was very fortunate to go to the university of Tulsa for a year and I met some great guys there And then I transferred to Colorado State and actually met some good guys there. And then I finished up at OU. So I had this whole realm of people. There was nothing like, although I left high school saying, I'll never come back. I'll never come back. And I guess those four years of transformation and and just growth or whatever you you want to call it, just led me back to that comfort uh, of being at home um, and knowing people when you walk down the street.
0: That's right. Yeah, that familiarity weighs a lot. I mean, it counts for a lot. All right, here yeah. we go. This is getting, this is <laughs> fun, man. This is getting, I told all you. Right. Man, too hard. Bring it on, man. Bring it on. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Uh, and I promise my podcast gets deeper than this. It's not just about hypotheticals. So hold on, bear with me. Uh, all right, here we go. The thing I've learned most about parenting three
1: daughters is. Patience. Sensitivity, uh, love. If I had to throw some words out there, um, you know, raising daughters, it's it's a different animal. Now, not that it's a bad animal. Uh, it's just it, it has taught me that men don't have a lot of the characteristics of a woman. And we need them. And it's really hit home for me having three of them and well, four, including my wife, uh, that I need all those things because I don't have I don't have that sensitivity button that when someone falls that, you know, we need to send them a really sweet text or, you know, a kind word. Uh, I need the help of those girls, um, you know, prodding me along. Uh, I think that's one benefit. I think that, you know, they're just they love better sometimes, you know, uh, but they are, you know, they, I think just raising children in itself, they all have their own challenges. Every chapter, depending on age has its own challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I, you know, looking back on it and I I don't think John that will ever stop parenting, um, because looking back on it, I'm already encouraging my kids now, you know, even the married one, Hey, when you get kids, you might want to try this. Because, you know, I didn't get to do it for you, but I think it's really going to help you out. And, and they kind of take it to heart and they, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, that's that's, good.
0: uh, Those words are perfect. Like, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, my daughter, you know, she's the last of four and three boys before her. Like my wife and I had to totally do a total paradigm shift in our mind, you know, when we. (laughs) because oh, yeah. you get into the routine of of sons and then there's that just that rhythm and you feel like you've gained momentum and then all of a sudden you feel like you're running into a 30 mile headwind when you have a daughter oh, well yeah. uh man but the love of a daughter is is something that you can't even describe and so uh dads and daughters man there's something special there just like dads and sons there is it's just different but right. uh yeah, I'm gonna be a grandfather in April, you know, and so my oldest okay. son is gonna have a, and it's gonna be a girl. She's gonna be a girl, so we're gonna have another girl, girl running around, and it's gonna be fun to watch him with daughters, as I'm sure your dad thought. Oh man, I'm gonna can't wait to see him with daughters.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was. We tease about her. We tease about it all the time, but no, it's it's worked out. It's been great, um, yeah. you know. And the reason why you're a parent is to become the grandparent, right? I mean, yeah, yeah that's what yeah. you're looking
0: forward to. So. You get I, hey, you don't get very many do over buttons in life and, and the grandparent <laughs> right. the grandparent button is the do over button. So there, there you uh, go. No, I bet uh here's a question I didn't plan on asking you but what what would your daughters kind of collectively what would they kind of say about your parenting style or how would they describe Willberry
1: as a dad? You know, I think it's kind of a twofold. You know, we, when we started our family, we were a different kind of people. Um, And now I'm getting a little bit deeper. uh, Yeah, no, it's going to get deeper.
0: Um, I promise.
1: So, you know, I had, or we kind of had, or I personally had an epiphany um, right after my mom passed away. And when that all came about and, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself because, you know, she died of early onset uh, Alzheimer's at the age of 60. And so that was pretty young for me. And I was, you know, I was around, uh, I don't know, I was low, mid 30s. And at that point in time, uh, I really reached out to God, uh, got dialed in uh, heavily with our church. And took a whole new meaning towards life and the way I was going to parent, the way I was going to act. So, you know, the first 10 or so years of my daughter's life, it could be a totally different description than say the mm. latter half, you know, just because we did things differently. Uh, my wife and I thankful, thankful to her. She found us a church that we, you know, still attend today and are very heavily involved. Uh, but right now I think that, you know, my girls, I would think that they look up to me. They call me for, you know, business advice, if you will, or, you know, what do I do with this certain situation? You know, but they, my kids, they know who to call. Mm -hmm. Uh, They call my wife for any type of, you know, sensitivity or, Hey, I've got this kind of, I hate to say the word drama problem, but I've got this problem going on, Stacy, how do I fix that? And then they call me for, you know, some of those other things. So we kind of, we've kind of uh, divvied it up well within Stacy and I's realm of, of stuff. So mm-hmm. again, not that that answers your question perfectly. Um, but I think that they looked up to me from a leadership standpoint and just guiding our family uh, that men are supposed to do, or that I feel that we're supposed to do um, yeah. from a spirituality standpoint and and everything else. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd be, we'd be dropping the ball if we weren't talking about uh, our faith on this podcast. So um, yeah. man, if you'd have told you and I, if you'd have sat us down in history class or wherever in 1989, <laughs> eight or 90, yeah. and told us we'd be either having this conversation or talking about God to each other, like we'd probably be like, I don't even know, really know, but if I would be doing that, even though we we were raised kind of with that belief system, right? We all sure. knew God was real and that, but we had, or I had, had no basis for foundation of a relationship with Christ. So uh, it's just refreshing to know. You know, same with a few of our our classmates that I've talked to since. So it's it's cool. Uh, God uses different ways to get people back home. Right. And back home with him is, you know, what I'm talking about. But um, is there something about Sepulpa you kind of wish people would know? uh you know that may never even be there, may never visit there. Although after this, there may be people coming to in November, December next year to try to see what we're about to talk about. But um if they never get here, what do you want people
1: to know about it? You know, I don't I don't sepulpa so is is and, and that's one thing that my wife and I do. We we take a weekend a year and I'm kind of a small town yuppie guy that I love to because we have so many fantastic towns across our entire United States. Mm-hmm. And so we make it a point uh, once a year to try to go somewhere different. Um, and when I say different, it's I try to typically be able to get a direct flight out of Tulsa to wherever we're going to go. Um, and then typically I try to get 30 minutes outside the big airport that we landed because, you know, Sepulveda is about 30 minutes from the Tulsa airport. But my point is, Sepulpa is is like many other downtowns smaller downtowns that were you know created with the oil boom or created with some other thing that might have happened in their area but just society has you know like you had mentioned before they had all gone to the big city everybody wants to go to the big city but I kind of kind of feel like that homey feel is coming back and I want Sepulpa to be a part of that and I think Sepulpa has got a great downtown we're right in the you know uh, the historical Route 66 runs right down the middle of our town, and so we get a lot of people running through, following the following the route, which is great. But just like any other small town, we got great people, we got great stores, we've got just a lot of great everything. And, and I know yeah. that every other small town can say the same, you know. And I don't know that you know we can out small town somebody. We're just a bunch. We're just another one that's out there that we would love to you know have people come visit
0: yeah no i i i need to and and speaking you know i i've sadly haven't been back in a while um and I, maybe even since my grandmother died which she was kind of the matriarch of the whole existence of the shibley family back there and so she yeah I, yeah man uh yeah. you don't get very many of her in a lifetime but so, yeah, I think I should, I, you know, there needs to be a point made to get back and just see, because I bet I wouldn't hardly recognize some of it, but you're, you're right. Like when the, those big, you know, whatever revolution or industrial type boom happened in some of these towns, I guess they kind of became forgotten as stuff migrated into the bigger city and stuff just kind of changed sure. and people left and, but yeah, you're, right. and, and for those of you watching, I don't know how many watch the videos of these, but W- Will is not in a condemned or abandoned, um, building. He is, I'm guessing he's <laughs> in his office. It's got a little rustic feel to it, or maybe it's was a it work my, in progress. He might be the, doing work on that one. I don't know.
1: That's the uh, industrial look. That's the revitalization of an old building. I mean, John, I, I get, this office I'm sitting in had been literally vacant for 20 years before we picked it up, remodeled it. So for real,
0: for yeah. real. Wow. I did. How old is that well, building that you're well,
1: in? do you remember? Okay. You'll know this. Um, do you remember where Pat's place was?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: This, this building is past place building. Okay. So past place is just two buildings over there. Okay. We bought the whole center, right? We got the whole building. Wow. We kicked Pet we kicked Pat's out. Yeah. And so now Pat's is a, uh, a technology or software company. Okay. And then there's a law office right next door to me. And then we got DC bass. So it's been a, uh, the building got totally revitalized, uh, you know, in about 2018. And, uh, brought it back to life. And that, wow. this is why, you know, partly of what we're doing, you know, why we yeah. do what we do here. So.
0: Well, I was looking at the actual route of what we're about to talk about. And if you, if you guys are listening, I'm building this up, aren't I? I mean, you're, wet in well with anticipation, but, uh, yeah. my dad owned a restaurant right there on water street. And I remember, cause so I was looking at the map yesterday and I was like, Oh, well, yeah, that's where it was spent many a day in that back alley, um, oh, yeah. of that restaurant. So, um okay, first of all, you came from a family of bankers, am I right? Like I did big time I did. banker lineage. And I guess you didn't, I mean, indirectly you're in that kind of space a little bit, but you didn't, you know, sign up for the suit and tie behind the desk banker rolled. Was that ever tempting? You know,
1: it was tempting to a certain degree, but you know, I I always me as a person, I always wanted to go somewhere where I wanted to go, where I was happy and where I felt like I, you know, suited, you know, best. And, you know, at the time that I got out of college, my sister was actually working at the bank and there was kind of a, kind of a family rule that, you know, if if one of your siblings is there, you know, sorry, the guy, you know, go find something else to do. And so I'll, t- I'll use that as one of my paths. You know, this is the godly path that I was going down because I couldn't go to the bank, not necessarily that I want to, you know, I did, I did, I think maybe one summer as a teller, but I was so jealous of watching the lawn guys. Cause that's what I grew up doing is mowing yards that I wanted to be out there. So I knew I needed to be outside. I knew I was an outdoor guy. And so, um, anyway, Yes. So I, I gravitated towards construction and matter of fact, my mom, I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, but I called her and I think I was a junior in college or sophomore in college. I'm like, mom, I'm struggling. I don't know what I want to major in. I was having too much fun as a lot of us did. Yeah. And uh, she's like, "Hey, you know, there's this construction management degree up there. Why don't you try that?" And I said, "Perfect, sign me up." You know, I didn't even look at it. She just kind of did it, and uh, (laughs) and that's you know that's kind of how the story went. And so, okay, I I never
0: knew that. I mean, that's perfect reason right there. I mean. Pam, Pam always had that foreshadowing wisdom that no one else, uh, so yeah. you had no idea that, that you'd be sitting here today. Um, no, that's, that's awesome, right. dude. Um, well, thank you to Jennifer for having that job before you. Cause who knows? That's right. And she's out.
1: back to work there now. So it's all, it's actually all worked out perfect. That's crazy. So.
0: Well, yeah. um, yeah. So your faith journey, um, you mentioned losing your mom, uh, and that, I mean that'll that'll springboard a lot of people into that mm-hmm. faith. Um, how how would you say? Okay, so people that kind of get into that out of maybe Christians out of catastrophe type situation, right? They're devastated. They have nowhere to go, and so now we're on our knees, right? And now we're like, okay, wow, this is God. Okay, cool. What has defined you along that way as far as your spirituality? Or what has well, how have you grown? How, was there any sort of like major um, during that process? What what did you find out most about God that was kind of like an aha moment, I guess, that you had no idea?
1: I think for me, it, it's not like I, I'm not that guy that has that total 180 transformation and, and something just magically happened. And it was this big yeah. Uh-huh thing, I think for me, more importantly, it was just, it's, it's the little thing. So when I started kind of taking notice was, uh, I can't even remember, but I mean, it was probably about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Um, and specifically speaking again, this it, there's no drama to this, but it's Willberries, And we had run into a major, major problem, Um, On a construction site that was going to cost Bass, the company that I work for, a lot of money because it was it was a it was a major mistake. We're building this track, a running track um, around a soccer field and and the track was too short. It didn't meet. So therefore, you weren't going to be able to run regional meets there. You weren't going to have state meets, and that's one thing that they said. Hey, we need, you know, we want this brand new track because we want to hold all these tournaments and do all these things. And when I heard, matter of fact, so we had the curb all poured around the track, and I think we were, we had most of the asphalt poured. Okay, so how you build a track? You fix the dirt, you pour the curbs around it you lay down asphalt and then you put the rubberized surface on top of it and stripe it for some reason. Now, now pre all of this project, you know, I my mom was very sick. Uh, she was in a home. I was, I was tackling church. I was you know praying hard. Hey, what do I do? How do I get there? And when all this went down, it was a major mental thing for me because I, I didn't know how to fix it. And uh, I caught, but the God moment was I had called the track guy earlier in the week, and I just said, hey, man, I'm just calling to let you know that we're going to need you down here in a couple of weeks. Um, if you want to come down here just to check things out and let me know how things are going, that would be awesome. Just hook, you know, call me. My office is really close, et cetera. Well, so he happened to get here one day. And again, keep in mind, this is we only have the curb up. And we have a little bit of the asphalt down. So we haven't done the asphalt around the whole track. And he came out and he said, you know, Will, I just happened to be coming up from Texas. Uh, I was driving back through to Kansas or going wherever he was going. But prior to this, I mean, I'm praying. Like the days before knowing, I'm like, hey, what's, how do I fix this? Anyway, he's having, he's coming through, so Paul stops, stops here. And I guess just because he had done so many tracks. He he noticed something was wrong, and he called me out there and he said, "Will, your track's not long enough." And I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, it it doesn't meet. It's not going to be a 440 track or or whatever." And I immediately just kind of go, "Oh no, you know this this could be a major problem." I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. But long story short, not that I want to bore you with all the details. No, no. It The God thing was that he was driving through and he checked me well before my loss could have been huge. We still lost because we had to fix what we did, but it was not the full track and everything ready before we put the spray or the rubberized surface down. And so I took that as my God moment. Mm. Um, And from that point forward, you know, it says to test him in the Bible. you you test him, you, you know, if you get something on your heart and you do it, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to be obedient. We're supposed to keep doing these things. And I promise Mm -hmm. you that he'll take care of you. And, and that's what you do. And sometimes, sometimes it works great. Sometimes it maybe doesn't work great, but I'm a huge believer that everything happens for a reason. And if it didn't work this time, you're just preparing yourself for the next. Um, and so that was kind of the first moment for me. And from that point forward. yeah i just dive in a lot deeper now that's so. that's
0: crazy that is crazy i, I mean yeah because he i mean you had no idea that it, it wasn't like it was a planned thing for him to come through on his way to wherever he was going and the fact it that he planned that
1: i was going to call him two weeks in advance yeah I mean, that and, was you know um, yeah that's awesome i mean so.
0: something on you kind of i don't know what it was it's hard to explain but no it's good man um sometimes we don't always follow that leading either. You know, I mean, sometimes we get this impression in our spirit to do something we just kind of ignore it or chalk it up to, you know, indigestion or whatever. And it could really be a (laughs) tap on the shoulder, you know, that we got to take heed of. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, as, as you kind of came through the ranks through your company, I mean, you obviously started that branch and so you got thrust into leadership relatively early. Um, what, what, uh who are some, well, I guess, what are some qualities that you had predisp- predisposed idea of leader, what leadership was? Cause I know when we all talk about leadership, we're like, okay, I'm just going to wing it. Like, I'm just going to like lead by example and hope people get it and follow me, or I'm going to be a rah-rah guy. Or a lot of people don't know what it is. Like, did you have some things that you saw in certain people that you were like, okay, this is great leadership. I'm going to do that. Or things that were already in you that just sort of came out naturally about leadership. Talk to me about your kind of definition or your interpretation of good leadership.
1: You know, I, for me personally, I kind of felt like it was, it was had the qualities bred into me. I just didn't know how to piece them all together, uh, you know, at a, at a younger age. And then you know, as you grow and you start, you know, looking at other people and how they present themselves and how they act and how they speak, um, you know, that's that's where you start pulling in all the pieces for me. And you take what you've learned and you try to implement it. Um, and so when we did start uh, DC Bass, Tulsa, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew how to go build a And I, you know what, I can't even really say that. I don't know that I did know how to build a building at that point in time. I'd been, you know, three years with a corporate company that didn't, you know, I was on some really cool stuff, but I really didn't learn how to build a building, but I learned great management uh, skills while I was there. And it was a totally opposite spectrum when I went to the smaller company is that I actually had to go build the building. And so I had, you know, the best of both worlds in that five years. And so I actually started Bass with a partner. Um, uh when we first got going, it was a college buddy. Um he said, you go your way five years, I'll go my way five years and we'll start something. And, and it was almost five years. Um, you know, we were short of it was five years, it would have been five years May. This was five years February that we started. So it was almost five years to the day that, you know, we had made this little agreement at college. So we started and and you know we just kind of implemented, I think what we did was we implemented those those skill sets that we gathered uh from our previous positions but mm-hmm. i think being a leader is a lot of it is kind of born in you i mean because there's 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 some things out there that you know i may do that someone else may not do and you know you want to teach those skill sets but not everybody wants that skill set yeah. so there's a, there's a fine line there as well i i definitely uh, love to cheerlead I, I you know i love to tell people that they're doing great um but that's my biggest thing and you, you hit it. It's, it's leading by example. It's respectful. It's being, you know, people are opinionated. Um, it's no different than in in the industry. And, and, you know, I, I take everybody's uh, opinion and I value it and, you know, and you may not like it at that point in time, but you know, you take it and you roll with it and then you try to fix it and implement it or, you know, disregard it, whatever it may be. But, you know, I think the respect is a big thing. Um, not stepping on people's toes, not burning bridges. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the world that we live in, it's, it's too small, John. I mean, you know that right? Uh, anybody that you talk to in the five state area, I swear if you talk to them long enough in about seven minutes, you're all going to know a common acquaintance. I mean, that's just the Uh, way the world works. So. Right.
0: Right. And yeah, that's one of the burning the bridge thing is I learned early on is not to do because invariably it will, Somehow it makes its way back, right? And yeah, yeah. in that small world, it, it somehow you're gonna we don't want to have a bunch of regrets. Uh, right, right. well, okay, so <clears throat> the Route 66 Christmas shoot. Um, this is for those listening, this is this is so cool. I mean, I guess I'm a little biased, but I mean, this would be cool in any town, I guess, that if I were to see this, but it makes it special because it's in my hometown uh really spearheaded uh by a guy that I grew up with and and some other people obviously uh he'll be the first to tell you he he had a lot of help and i and that's probably a, a lot of truth, too but um this route 66 Christmas shoot now i'm going to give the the main like the basic description of what it is just for people just to get an idea maybe they can get a visual and then i'm going to let you kind of unpack it a little bit but it says okay I'm reading this verbatim. Uh, So the magical experience to be able to walk under the chute. Okay. Thousands of decorations with 10 different themes, 37,000 lights. It's probably more than that now. I don't know, but Will didn't count them Um, miles and miles of garland and all the decorations you can imagine for Christmas. I'm interested in the whole 10 different themes. I think that's pretty cool, but just imagine this huge like wonderland of lights and, on a downtown street in an old historic part of the state with a major historic road running right through the heart of it. And these knuckleheads, you know, decide to build a Christmas theme park, uh, in four degrees. So, (laughs) well, I mean, what the heck, why, why did we decide, why was this a vision
1: two years ago? Okay. So, you know, it all started out and, and again, uh, I find peace uh, when I go job. That's kind of my alone time and and my time to think. And uh, you know, I'd been downtown for about five years. I'd been kind of invested. I had a building. We'd done some remodels. And I, you know, you sit there and you're wondering how can we make Sepulpa a better place? How what what brings Sepulpa? What brings people to Sepulpa right this second, like right now? And you know, outside of the basketball games or the football games or, you know, outside of that, what? why do people come to Sepulpa? Because it's not the Taco Bleno, It's not, you know, it's not those fast food restaurants or anything like that. But the only thing that people came to Sepalpa for that I could pinpoint was Paragon Pie. Uh, Derek Walkers, you know, they do a heck of a, a Christmas light show down Highway 117. Um, you probably have witnessed that. Mm-hmm. They drive. They drive towards Sepulpa, but they never make it to town. They turn on 49th West Avenue, which I know none of you all know where the street is, but they turn on 49th West Avenue and basically hightail it out of town. And so. As I was running and thinking and how do we how do we parlay Christmas, because that's the only thing that I could think of. Well, those past couple of previous years, there's a brewery, a uh, brewery restaurant in Tulsa called Roosevelt's. And for about the last, I don't know, they maybe have done this for 10 years. But as long as I can remember, they decorate their restaurant. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. They, they decorate the entire restaurant uh, with all kinds of Christmas decor, every, anything you can think of. I think they have music to lights now. I mean, they've really, you know jacked it up and it's, it's really cool. But my point to that is there is a probably two to three hour wait to get in that restaurant and eat just for the sole purpose of seeing those Christmas lights. And then you go, they had a Christmas contest a couple of years ago out in Jinx. And I got stuck sitting in that line. It was a two hour wait to sit in this line to see this guy's Christmas, this, this, his decorations on his house, which, it was all great. Mm. But right then and there, it's like, man, people follow Christmas. So how do we how do we parlay this Christmas light thing? And so if you take a little bit of the Roosevelt, which is the brewery I just spoke of. And then I started thinking about Fremont Street in Las Vegas. I'm like, how cool would it be to have this tunnel of lights, So take Christmas lights, take the tunnel, and you formulate this stuff. So anyway, that's kind of how it was all spurred. And then I thought, well, how are we going to do this? Like, I I don't even know how to do this. The only And so about 10 years ago or about 12 years ago, uh, the bank had built a, it was called an American Heritage Park. It was a park that they donated to the city. They paid for all the materials, but the construction of it was all volunteers. We built this thing in like a week and a half and it's a ginormous park i mean it's it's huge but it was all volunteer based and i go that's it i got to get that team we got to get ourselves together and we got to make this thing happen mm-hmm. so as i mentioned before it was Jennifer Barry Dilly my sister Tammy Fleek or Tammy Reinhardt mm-hmm. and Betty Kelly those three girls were the leads for the park and I knew that they knew what they were doing already when it came to the volunteers and how we put all this together. So we started meeting probably in, well, I think I put it on there in 2020 or so. Yeah. And, and so we started talking about it and they couldn't even get it. They didn't even get the idea. And I'm just going to show you, I don't know if you can see, but I just want to show you. So this was my first rendition. Uh-oh, got
0: the this original what, artwork.
1: That is the original. I kept this, John, just for the sole purpose of that's how <laughs> I had tried to explain it. Because you, you couldn't they, no one could get it. And so anyway, I got Jennifer and I and Tammy and Betty, and we all started meeting. We are just, we all started coming up with ideas. And the first things first was having to get approvals. You know, we had to go to ODOC because it's a state highway. Um we had to get city and police approval, we had to do all these different things, which actually took some time, and that's one of the reasons why it prolonged it for one year, so it just yeah. opened up last year, um, so we had, to, we ended up taking control of that highway, that that section of Highway 66, we took it out of the state's hands, and so now it's a city-maintained highway, if you will, um, so we got all that done, the uh, the firemen, you know, they said, hey, I love your idea, but You know, I can't work under tunnels. You know, we got some four and five story buildings here. And if those things go to burning, uh, this is going to be in my way. And I go, hey, you know, can we compromise? And that was part of this sketch. This is the sketch that I drew for those guys actually sitting in their office. um, uh, Trying to explain to them that it's not going to be a tunnel. We're going to have a gap in the middle. And so anyway, we we went through all of those approvals. um, And once we got those approvals, that's when it became a job that's when it became a real deal mm-hmm. um, because had we not gotten those approvals, I don't think, I don't think we could have done anything. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think it would have been as special just because of it's, it's on 66. It's right down the middle of mm-hmm. our downtown, etc. cetera. So after that, the, here's where the big kicker comes in. And this is where, you know, we couldn't have done this. And I think this is another reason why Sepulpa um, is why Sepulpa is with the volunteers mm-hmm. and the, it's just, just the people. So we, we put together um, a budget. We, we knew how far we wanted to go with the shoot. It's basically two and a half blocks. It runs from Main Street all the way down to, I don't know how long you haven't been back, but down to the courthouse. Okay. The courthouse has yeah. So it goes from the courthouse all the way up to the bank. It's two and a half city blocks. So it's yeah. pretty big. And we knew... That we couldn't cross streets and alleys for fire. That's yeah. how the ten themes came about. Ah. so we had to bust the the shoot apart. So we had that we couldn't cross streets and we couldn't cross alleys, and so that that made us ten different structures nice. for canopies. So that's how that was developed. And so anyway, we we developed this budget. You know, I'm me being in the construction business. I I I I became the head of the construction committee. Uh, so I started putting together a budget. Uh, But it was a different kind of budget. You know, I could do the steel and I could do the the fence panels, but I couldn't do decorations. I couldn't do all of these things. So we brought them on board. But our budget was about eight hundred and thirty five thousand, I think, year one. And I'm like, okay, guys, (laughs) fundraiser time. Yeah. How do we do this? You know, where does this start? So we actually put a PowerPoint presentation together and we all literally went across our community. My sister was actually the head of the fundraising committee, but she just started making cold calls to all of the individuals and and the businesses around, and saying, "Hey, we got this really great idea. You know, yeah. can we get you to donate?" And people are like, "What? Like, Didn't
0: you?" What? So let me ask you this: Did you? Did I read that you guys had almost kind of a like a mock version of to show? Yeah, yeah, people? yeah. So like,
1: I'm I'm almost there. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to I was going to Rotary clubs. Going, hey, you know, guys, I really I need 830. They couldn't 000. get it.
0: Man, <laughs> off this of
1: is that. this is what we're gonna do. You have no idea. <laughs> it's gonna be great, you know. And that wasn't selling anything. Not that we were hitting dead ends. We had convinced some people. Um, so what what we did, what we decided to do, and this is what part of one of the game changers, I think, is that because we didn't really even know. You know, we knew, but we didn't know. So we built a mock-up. We built a a section, a true live section. So it was 20 by 25. Um, So these chutes are, there's six of them that are 125 feet long. And there's four of them that are 75 feet long. So we built a portion of one of those sections. It was 25 feet long, 20 foot deep, 13 foot tall. And so we built it inside of a vacant building. And we did it exactly like it would be on the street. We decorated the panels we we you know the, the the themes the girls came up with all the themes you know because we got i'm just i'm gonna go off on a tangent but we got rudolph santa God. elf patriotic we got highway 66 cool um candyland gingerbread nice rudolph nice. let it snow you know so there's did i say elf um, yeah Anyway, so we got all these themes and that's what they came up with. So we took four panels and we decorated for the themes. And what we did was then we started having, I hate to say the word town hall meetings because they weren't town hall meetings, but we've started inviting the public. We started inviting the downtown businesses because we knew we were going to affect them. We were going to put this thing right in front of their storefront and we wanted them to see and then we would step outside and we'd say, see that structure? It's going to go from that stoplight to that stoplight. And they're like, okay. So they kind of got it, but they still didn't get it. But but the money, that helped. That helped with yeah. fundraising. And so from that point on we started deepening our bench. Um, we, we gained a couple more. Our first year we had, I think we, then we bumped up to about eight people because we, we started introducing things. We had the, uh, the chamber of commerce involved. We got our main street involved. Um, we got our local paper involved. Who's actually the, this is all our social media. Mm. And then we got the city, the city of Sepulpa involved. We had to get all these people to back us uh, because actually it was a city of Sepulpa project because they adopted the project actually. So Anyway, with all that being said, we all set out on our, you know, our own individual ways. I was the head of the construction committee, so I formed a subcommittee. So I had five dudes that we met every week, and I knew one of the most critical components was Bennett Steele. You know, Dave Bennett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two boys, Matt and and yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, Shane that both played baseball because I knew you are a baseball junkie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, Bennett Steele has been a huge. uh huge volunteer they they they're the ones that erect it for us they take it down for us mm-hmm. um all donated so anyway we've got we, we formed all these teams and then the best the best thing that came about to get to get the volunteers involved were so we have 10 different themes and we're like okay we need to sub this out we need to get other people involved this is how we get our community involved so what we did was each theme, had two leaders. Okay. And those two leaders were going to be responsible for their own volunteers. Mm. But the critical piece there was getting team leaders that had different friend groups. Right. Because in a small town, you can have the same friend group. Yeah. Yeah. And if you did that, then you're going to be pulling the same volunteers. So we we literally and not that that's a problem. It's a great thing, because one thing it has done, John, I've met more people from my hometown in the last year and a half than I've met the entire time I've been here. And it's because of those other groups of people that have been interjected into this project. And that is one of the biggest reasons I love.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for people that are like, oh, well, you know, that that applies to them because, yeah, they're living that. And that sounds great. Uh, I still think there's takeaways here for anybody doing any kind of I mean, this is team building. This is like understanding how serving actually brings people together. When we live in a world where everybody's trying to tear everything apart, you know, serving people and creating something bigger than yourself brings people together like those people get fired up every october november like they know look it's time to go it's time to go to work because we're creating something magical and and i can't imagine how far people come to to see this but i don't even want to pay the know what the electric bill is like uh, for the lights i mean there's got to be generators or you guys are just plugged into mortons at the side of the
1: building over there i don't know
0: yeah
1: well (laughs) that's that's and we didn't know what to expect, you know, after year one, no one had, no one had any idea. We pulled this off. We had all the volunteers, you know, we probably had six to 700 volunteers and I'd love to get into every single detail of those volunteers and what they did and what they mean to us because they were a vital part of this project. But after year one and seeing the success and seeing everything, it's like, okay, we, we literally, our committee came together and we said, okay, how did we, you know, how do we get better? This was awesome, but we want to get, we want to be better. And so literally no one wanted to get bigger, but like you just mentioned, we got rid of the generators. We went to full electric on the food trucks because that, that was an annoyance. You know, yeah. people couldn't hear the Christmas music over the over yeah. the generators. We wanted to have a better sound system because ours was really scratchy. We were on a budget. We, we had a $5,000 sound system that we threw together, but it was, it was what we had. that time but this year we invested in a thirty-five thousand dollar, you know sound system with microphone capabilities you know it's it's legit um we we made we made and this is this is another thing on this year i'm kind of fast forwarding but so we made all of the uh teams or the themes come up with a photo opportunity so underneath their shoot not only did we decorate the columns better Mm -hmm. and we decorated the edges better to make it just more elegant We made him create a photo opportunity. And what I learned as I was walking down the street while this was under construction was not only do we have wonderful volunteers, we have some very crafty people. Mm -hmm. We have some handy people. I mean, I couldn't believe some of the stuff that these guys were building Mm -hmm. and gals, but they were building and they were painting and they were bringing it up here. And I'm like, Holy smokes. Yeah. This is freaking awesome. And right there, I think that's how they got engaged. That's how that I know they got engaged. Or they yeah. wouldn't have taken the time to build this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, this project happened perfectly because you are coming up out of COVID. Everybody was depressed, sitting at their house yeah. and all this stuff. And I swear you don't see an unhappy face when you're down there. It's uh it's, no, it's pretty magic.
0: How many people? How many people would you say? Okay, let's just use mm-hmm. last year, obviously, because you're still right in the middle of it now. But what? How many people would you? Uh, I don't know. Guesstimate. That change throughout up, the whole thing. You know, maybe, maybe over. And you can't really tell because people may have come more than once. But like, let's say a given night. What do you? What do you see?
1: Well, so opening night, the, the only way that I could tell, this is where I, when I was talking to you about, you know, the yeah. funny math, um, mm-hmm. the only way that I could tell how many people were actually on the street was by doing a square foot takeoff. So the width of the street by the length of the shoot, you know, you multiply that, you get a square foot. And then yeah. I literally stood there and I had a person stand next to me and I said, okay, every person takes three square feet. So if you do that math yeah. on the street, if it's packed, you can have about 6,500 people, okay, That's from start to finish. But then that doesn't count the people on the sidewalks. That doesn't count the people in the stores. And it doesn't count the people on the side streets. Yeah, That was just the Route 66. And so, yeah. you know, that given night, I bet you, you know, 7,500, 10,000, 12,000 people wandered through. Yeah, And then over the course of the shoot, I'm going to guesstimate 100 to 150,000 maybe. We have some cell phone data that someone had given us um, about how many people's phones were pinged and and all this other data that I didn't really know how they got it. But
0: that's crazy. But
1: this, the different thing this year is that it's more consistent. Last year, it was really heavy on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays just because it was a weekender thing. Uh, But what we're feeling this year, we've been open for it's two weeks tomorrow. It's it's better crowds every single day. It's yeah. busy every single day. And, and when I say busy, I mean, it's not shoulder to shoulder, but it's definitely people, they know it's cool. Of course the weather has been beautiful, so we can't, yeah. you know, take away from that. But yeah. Um, so well, anyway, that's, that's kind of what it's created. This speaking,
0: year. speaking of weather kind of leads me into, uh, you, you kind of made a guest appearance on a fairly big national show. Uh, Last year, when I guess the Today Show was doing a Merriest Main Streets uh, segment or series, I don't know, I'd never even heard of it until that, but maybe it's a been an ongoing thing. But y'all happen to apply, you fill out an application, you got chosen, and they don't choose everybody. And they show up and they get you, you're on the Today Show, Will Berry, from Sepulveda, uh, America. What the heck? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. There? So tell me about well, that experience you know- a little bit.
1: Hey, we were, we were all thinking the same thing, you know, <laughs> it was one, I think it was a Friday afternoon, maybe a Saturday. I get a text, you know, cause we have a group text chat. It's like, Hey, the Show shows having a contest. I'm like, okay, let's fill out the stuff. And so we filled it out and we, you know, did all the stuff. And, and the weird thing was, is because the today show, it didn't say, it didn't say, Hey, if we're a winner, contact this certain person, you know, I think it was just a crapshoot on who they chose to call. And I can't exactly remember who they called, but they said, hey, the Today Show's coming on Friday. I think maybe they called somebody at the city. Um, um, and we're like, that's like in two days. And oh, by the way, you got to be out here at 4 a.m. You know, I mean, this is, they, they come in here because, you know, you're, you're two hours ahead or you're two hours behind, you know, yeah, uh, the right. East Coast. And <laughs> so... It just so happened to be literally, I think it was negative three windshield. It was the coldest day that we had all last year. And <laughs> so we kind of had been preparing for it. We had emergency meetings. Our committee gets together. We're like, okay, how do we do this? Who's going to talk? Who's going to blah, blah, blah. You know, we go through all of this stuff. And and so practiced it. Uh, Julie Chen, our local kind of uh, news person that's got a good uh, rapport with everybody she was the one leading the pack so she was the one here kind of leading it from the local perspective uh that tied back into the today show in in new york and um you know they came out and 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 there's a restaurant downtown called the cookery that was graciously enough to open at 5 a.m to let everybody in you know to warm their toes I mean literally it was freezing (laughs) I had gathered up 10 heaters you know those football heaters that you see on the sidelines the ones that flamethrowers I did that but you couldn't feel it you know I mean I had 10 of them grouped on the side of the shoot and and they rolled in you know with their big production and had the whole thing you know set up I'd never witnessed wow and uh, Julie came over to me and she's like hey you know what you're gonna say I'm like Julie. I have never been more nervous in my entire life. Right, like, this is worse than Sapulpa playing Booker T. You know, in in the quarterfinals, quarter quarterfinals in, finals in 1989, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was that kind of nervous, right? So, oh um, my gosh! I, yes, I mean, some, it was
0: great. I, I I thought that was great, and and you know, I think for people that are listening, that. I mean, I, there's gotta be people just like wanting to try something like this. I mean, since watching some of the small towns do stuff like this, I would think it's catching on and, and there's going to be more of it, which is only a good thing. Um, man, I, what if people want to help, like let's say a small town across America can't pull the resources together or maybe their volunteer list benches not is deep. Um, is there a way they can help from remote? Like, do you have a way on a website somewhere people can make donations? Is there a way somebody can get involved to help out because they want to strike a blow for small town America via sure. you? Like, what can they do?
1: No, we do. We do have a uh, we have a Web page with the donations. Uh, we Yeah, we're kind of we've taken that next step to being hey we need all the stuff yeah um, we've got an Instagram we've got a Facebook and we've got a website it's it's sepulpa's root 66 Christmashoo.com and absolutely if somebody wants to jump in on on helping Sepalpa you know of course it's always uh, always accepted um, there's a donation button there that they can fill out. They can call. So Tammy, um, Tammy Fleek is our volunteer kind of logistics coordinator. And she's developed a, you know, if you're localized within Tulsa area and you want to come volunteer, uh, there's a sign-up genius that you can nice. get on and you can sign up at certain times uh, to come over. And 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 when you volunteer, it's literally just walking up and down the streets, meeting people. That's all we're asking is to keep your eye out on some on some funny stuff maybe, but more importantly, it's to talk to people, to engage. Hey, where are you from? How you doing? How can I help? Do you need, you know, do you want to go anywhere? All these other things. Because all walks of life are hitting those streets. And it is absolutely fantastic. A real yeah. quick story. Uh, yeah. we're in our shoot meeting yesterday. And um this is some I'm gonna throw something out to you too, John. But so Tammy's like, "Hey, cuz we we're in this meeting and and we we're kind of talking about some negativity and we didn't really like it and Tammy's like, "Hey, let me throw out some good news. I ha- I had a lady from Buffalo, New York call me and they are planning their vacation around the Christmas shoot. They're flying to Oklahoma, they're going to, you know, find of course to Tulsa, they're going to stay somewhere close to Sepulpa. and they wanted to come. They've been seeing it on uh TV or the, you know, internet, Facebook, wherever they've been seeing it and they wanted to come experience it. Personally. And so they're literally flying here. They're gonna drive, they're gonna come through the shoot, probably hit a couple other stops, and then they're gonna head to Oklahoma City to grab a thunder game and then fly back uh, to New York. Because none of them have ever been here. And I said, Well, man, that is so great to hear. I said just to throw out some kudos to John Shibley. I'm doing my first podcast tomorrow. And so anyway, uh, we always like to uh that's good. Like to give some positive positive news for the shoot. That's so.
0: that's good. Uh give me that website again, real quick.
1: So it's Sepulpa's route 66. Okay. Christmas shoot.com. Got it.
0: Dude, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Like I think people might want to just kind of get involved and say, you know, and I'm sorry that we're doing this after give Tuesday. I didn't even know that was a thing. Till yesterday. <laughs> yeah,
1: Well, it's it on any day. It doesn't was, have to be Tuesday. I thought Tuesday. Every day was give day. That's I don't right.
0: Know, That's but, right. Uh, no, dude, I, all right, give me like a give me a takeaway for you, kind of being from vision, no offense to your artwork or whoever your art teacher was in elementary uh-huh. school, but uh you know, the 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 Chili's placemat crayon artwork that you presented from that guy to now, yeah. and you're trying to figure out how to scale this because it's you're like growing pains are a real thing. So, man, what are some takeaways just from a general, when you step back, when you soak it up, when you're standing there with your wife or family or whatever, and you're like, this all started with an idea. Talk to somebody right now that, you know, maybe has a great idea that they'll never know how good it could be. And and they sit on it.
1: Well, it's a great question. And I've thought a lot about it because that is real. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, this was just an idea. And the thing about ideas and the thing about pursuing them is that, you got to get other people on your team because you can't do it by yourself. I don't care who you are. You can't do it by yourself. First of all, we're made to be together. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the church, right? We're made yep. uh, to be together and and to grow together. And the, the thing that I take away from it the most was, yes, this was an idea. It, that drawing wasn't perfect, But as we brought more people into the, into the world of that, of this, of the shoot, you got to remember other people have great ideas too. Sometimes they just don't share them. But as we started throwing this and brainstorming and doing all the things that you do as businesses or, you know, as leadership or as projects, what started to stick is what you see is on the road. And that's, that's a combination of a bunch of people. That's not just one person. So I think that's the coolest piece. The first step is always the scariest, but you got to start somewhere. And you know what? We didn't do it perfect last year. We're just going to correct it and keep moving forward because that's how life is. I mean, life yeah. throws you curveballs all the time, and you can either sit down and whine about it, or you can turn left and keep heading you know, in a forward direction. And I think that's that's been the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this thing is growing a little bit. I don't know where it's going to go. Um, it's exciting to see. And I sure hope that other towns would, you know, we've already talked to several different small towns. And they're like, well, how do we do it? Yeah. And I'm like, man, I think that you should pick out and, and I'll never, you know, one of those towns was Catoosa. Yeah. Uh, you familiar with the blue whale? Oh no. Huh? It's been there forever. Um, but it's, it's on the highway route 66. It's, it's a, it's a huge attraction. It's this big blue plaster well that has a slide going down its mouth and, but you know, parlay that it's already an attraction. So parlay that. And I think most of these towns have something that people want to see and you'd be surprised if you could just catapult that idea. So I don't know, those are a couple of my takeaways, but I think you got to get, you got to get the right people, um, on your team. Um,
0: that all good. have a wide variety that's so, of good, personality. so well yeah I mean in a scripture that comes to mind when you're talking about just you know to keep coming back to your artwork uh Habakkuk uh two two I think it is it says have a vision make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it and and it's just to down to the point of write it down have an idea write it down get some people involved maybe it's nothing, but maybe it's something. And, and so it starts to develop legs. Um, and then I'm sure there was a lot of days, uh, in prayer for you as this thing kind of started to develop and started to kind of culminate into a real living, breathing organism. So man, hats off to you, man. I, I think that's, that's awesome that you actually, um, went for a run to actually get that idea. Cause I would have never had that idea on a run. Cause I don't run.
1: I'm not a good runner by the way. I just, that's where I find peace. That's right. That's where, Slow that's and where
0: God kind of tells you stuff. Cause he's got that's you right. alone captive audience. No, it's been good. Will. Uh I appreciate you coming on here. Um, Did we leave anything out? You think I mean, anything that you want to go back and say, Oh man, we didn't cover that. Or I feel like, people have a pretty good visual without short of being there. Like, is there, is there something, obviously there's some video on the website too, where they can kind of get an idea, right. Of what's going on.
1: Yeah. There's all kinds of pictures. Jump cool. on Facebook, um, okay. Facebook, the internet, Instagram, all yeah. the social media sites. Uh, you know, once you click on something, you know, you can kind of get lost and run down rabbit holes with pictures of, of yeah. Christmas shoot, uh, you know, I, I would encourage, we'd love to have you here. Um, I know that we are another small town, but, uh, you know, and and that's what I was telling to somebody else. It's Tulsa is kind of our hub, right? Just like Dallas is the hub, but Tulsa is the hub and we have some great communities that surround us, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Broken Arrow, Bigsby, Jinx, yeah. Owasso, Sand Springs. They're all surrounding us and they all have great downtowns too. And, and so if we can, you know, go together and support one another, then it makes us bigger. It's it's a bigger, better community. And I think that's one of the most important things to me is, you know, is how can we affect our community? How can we affect those that are around us? Mm-hmm. And, and I would say to collaborate with those folks first. And then, you know, as it grows, it grows. And mm-hmm. and uh, that's the awesome part. So, but we would love yeah. to have you uh, in Sepulpa, Oklahoma to uh, see <clears> the <throat> Route 66 Christmas shoot.
0: There we go. Well, if you decide to go, send me an email, uh, guys, and and I have Will's number and I'll text him to look for you. Cause he's probably got a, a room, spare room in his house. No, I'm just playing. He yeah, come on that. down and we'll see what we head. can
1: do. We'll find but, you a place to sleep.
0: No, but, uh, no audience. It's been great. He's been Will Barry. We've been last in line. Be blessed.